Hello, and welcome to Thriving Educators. I'm Brian Langley. In today's episode, I am joined by media specialist Bethany Bratney as we share our three things about the book Wellbeing by Tom Rath and Jim Harder, a book based on research by Gallup on the contributing factors to a person's overall sense of well-being. For those of you who may not know Bethany, she is a National Board Certified Teacher working on 16 years of experience as a school librarian. In 2015, she was named the School Librarian of the Year by the Michigan Association for Media and Education. I am thrilled to have her back to discuss this book. Enjoy. Bethany Bratney, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. I am honored to be here. Okay, so I wanted to give a little context to our podcast today. Um, I feel like the idea of the concept of well-being is something that's more on people's minds these days. And so as I think about, you know, the this podcast was born from the mission of our uh, of our mentor program here at Novi. And that mission is to support thriving educators. And so when you think about what it means for somebody to thrive, you know, there is a sense that they are experiencing wellness, that there's so there's well-being there. And so when I think about trying to deliver the podcast that people need, I'm curious if like I think that to the top of that list should be a general idea of well-being. So I thought back to a book that I read back in like 2010-ish, maybe 2011, literally titled Wellbeing. And I thought, okay, the way I want to start season two is to, being, uh, to bring back uh, my extraordinary media specialist, Bethany Bratney, and we will uh, read this book and discuss it. So thank you, Bethany, for coming on back, and we're going to talk about well-being. I'm excited. I'm okay. excited. Okay. So just like last time, we're each going to bring our three things. So we've both read the book, and we're going to bring something from the book that stood out to us, and we're going to share that with everybody. So last time, I believe I rudely went first. <laughs> so this time, I want to make sure that, Bethany, you get to go first. So Bethany, in reading Wellbeing by Tom Rath and Jim Harder, uh, Bethany, what was your first thing? So my first thing is to have more fun at work. Uh, I feel like that sounds simple, but in starting this book, they talk about these five areas of well-being. And the first one they talk about is career well-being. And the authors make a case that of the five, it is arguably the most important because our careers mm. are what we do with the majority of our days and time. And that they said on page 16 that people with high career well-being are more than twice as likely to be thriving in their lives overall. So since we're wanting our educators to thrive and we know that our educators care about their careers, to me, that was an area of focus, particularly to Brian, since as educators, these last two years have been really hard. Tell Three, me about it. Really. Um, and so I think for a lot of us, maybe our area of well-being that has been struggling might be our career. Um, and so to me, I saw at the end of each section, they have these three recommendations mm -hmm. for well-being, um, hot that tips, area. if you will, right. in that area. And so um, there were two 
of the three that just really stood out to me. Um, I The first is number two, ironically, <laughs> which is identify someone with a shared mission who encourages growth and spend more time with them. I think one of the reasons that I have been having less fun at work than I used to is because I have not been spending as much time with my people. I have made wonderful friends and great colleagues in this building in the 14 years that I've been here. And I have just seen them less right. because of the nature of the last two years. And so I know people who have shared missions and similar ideas to me who make me feel like I'm growing and getting better, but I need to spend more time with them. Um, so that really stuck out to me. And I am trying to be intentional about can I have lunch with you? If we're not comfortable being in the lunchroom, can the two of us just have lunch somewhere where we can sit far apart or outside? Um, so I can see those people who re-energize me and ex make me feel excited about work more. Um, and then the third one on the list of three recommendations is to opt into more social time. And uh, I need to give a shout out to Hattie McGuire. Okay. No one will be surprised here, but last year at the end of the year, Hattie and I were talking about goals for this year. Um, and I was rattling off a list of ideas that I had. And she said, I think what we both need to do next year is just have more fun. And I said, I'm in, let's actively arrange that. <laughs> and so thinking about this year through that lens, has been really helpful for me and a lot of it is more social time so Hattie is doing parties in her classes and I'm going to participate in some of those I want to try to get back to the the staff lounge if I can I want to try to see people um, I think it will make my job feel more fun okay so what you brought up is really interesting in that they're, so they talk about these different kinds of well-being, and one of the one of them is career well-being, which you just spoke to very clearly. But then there was also the idea of sh social well-being, and one of the things it talked about in social well-being is the importance of having like good friends in your career or at work. And so I I, f I find that what you're talking about and the way you describe like Hattie and and some of these other things. It, it's like an overlap of two of the ways that we experience well-being that we can take care of at the same time. And so if, if we will have, by having good friends at school, we have this higher uh, social well-being, and then that also takes care of our career well-being and our social well-being at the same time. So that's, yeah. that's pretty nice. Um, the other thing is you mentioned two of the three things in career well-being which brings me to my first thing, because mine's the one you didn't mention, <laughs> which is every day, use your strengths. And I think that this is, this is really good advice. And also, I look to a particular quote that they talk about in the book. So I'm gonna go to page 26, and it talks about the role of managers. And what it says is, the most disengaged group of workers we have ever studied are those who have a manager who is simply not paying attention. And then it goes on to say, but if your manager is primarily focusing on your strengths, the chance of you being actively disengaged 
is just 1% or 1 in 100. And so this is interesting to me in two ways. So one way is if you're using your strengths in your career, then you're probably feeling engaged and productive. But also then if your manager is, is also like noticing your strengths and pointing out your strengths, encouraging your strengths, then you just feel better too. And so I think about this particularly, not just like with, with me being um, my position, different roles that I have in the district with, with teachers and, and helping them maybe feel better about their career well-being by focusing on their strengths. But I also think about it in terms of our students, because obviously we want our students to be feeling well-being. And so as I'm working with my students, they're coming to my class with all of their different strengths. And so one way that I can help them hopefully be more engaged in the class is by, a, is by paying attention to their different strengths. And so that's something that I take away from this that I want to do, and not just thinking about my own well-being necessarily, but about how I can help the well-being of my students by you know, using what I've learned from this book. So that's my number one. Yeah, I highlighted that same passage um, because it really stuck out to me how important it is to just pay attention and how important it is to focus on those strengths. And I, you know, I work with two other people um, on a daily basis and kind of manage the situation in the library here. And then I also manage some teams and committees and things like that outside of here. And so it made me think about my role kind of as the manager as well as as a managed person, right? As a person who is an employee. Um, so that's interesting. We both took it that way. Right. And, you know, we just started school this week. So this is the first week of school that we're recording this. And I had a student who was going into their first day of high school. And I asked them, you know, how are you feeling? And they, were, they weren't excited about it. And I was like, you know, why aren't you excited about going to school? You used to love school. And the student said that, you know, they just, school is stressful. It's a lot of stress. And, and I, oh, that just, and I understand that some stress is good, but in general, like we don't want something that's doing so much to be a, a constant source of background stress when we're really just trying to help them grow and help them learn. So how can we help this process so it's not so stressful? I'm thinking that one of the ways that I'm going to try and be deliberate about this is by really trying to focus on kids' strengths. Okay, but that's my number one. I also want to point out one other thing. When yeah. they talk about career well-being, the authors, they explain that this doesn't necessarily have to be like a traditional job either. But what, which, what, what part of your life are you dedicating a lot of time to that you could look at as like a career or something? But it, it could be taking care of a family. It could be dedicating yourself to um, community service. It could be some kind of a hobby that you just that you dive into, but it's this it's this role in your life where you want to be using your strengths um, and and feeling good about that. Okay. Yeah. I've talked too much, Bethany. <laughs> Let's go to your second thing. So my second thing uh, is an interesting combination from the financial well-being area and from the community well-being area. I kind of combined some ideas. My second thing is to actively make some plans that will help me make memories 
and connect with other people. Um, so in the financial well-being section, they talk about how spending money on items, objects, and stuff does not actually contribute to people's well-being. Um, but one, that I want to throw in one caveat. That's yeah. once you have a certain amount of money to like have your basic needs met. Right. So they talk about financial stability. And if you don't feel stable in your finances, that kind of trumps everything. Right. But at the point of financial stability, purchasing stuff doesn't really make anybody feel like they're thriving or increase their well-being. But they talked about how spending money on other people or on experiences like as simple as going out to dinner or um, taking a vacation or attending an event, things like that, that those things have a lasting effect on our well-being because they help us to make memories and they help us to connect with other people. Um, and so I was thinking about that. And again, because of the nature of this pandemic in the last few years, everybody has done less of that. Um, I know people are at different places with what they feel comfortable doing, but to me, that really struck me as an opportunity to think about what am I comfortable doing? What kinds of plans am I comfortable making? And then let's put some on the calendar that will give me something to look forward to and give me an opportunity to make memories with other people. Um, and so the the community well-being part that brought me in, there was a quote on page 98 that honestly just like struck me, um, which is well-doing inoculates us against stress and negative emotions. And I just thought, whoa, inoculates is a strong <laughs> word. It is a like doing doing good for others inoculates us against these things that we talk about so much about feeling sad or down against feeling stressed and i'm in for that <laughs> if there was a real inoculation for that i would sign up so right. if i can get that effect by connecting with other people and helping other people i definitely need to do more of that um and i think you know as teachers we are busy and when we go home we're not done with work and so sometimes it feels like getting out into the community is is hard doing community service and helping others is hard but i i think this reinvigorated my feelings that it doesn't matter if it's hard it's important and i need to make some effort to do that yeah so and one thing i think about with the well doing and it has to do with the whole community well-being section. Again, this is an area where educators' jobs overlap or like we're already set up. So, uh, I kind of think about teaching in some ways as my community service. I, I feel like, again, this is an area where, and, and maybe it, for the educators out there, maybe just appreciate a little bit more that what you're doing every day is having an impact and it's it's a positive impact and that's an advantage that we have i feel like in our careers there's you know there's some disadvantages some advantages i feel like that is one advantage but 
to your point, that last point about well-doing inoculates us against stress and negative emotions. It's so interesting that sometimes when we feel stressed or maybe we're down, that we might think about, okay, what do I need? When really it could be, what does somebody else need that could end up picking us up? That's a really mm-hmm. interesting idea. And I think it could be simple too. I was thinking about this teacher I know who used to write a thank you note to somebody every Friday. <laughs> and that is so simple. It takes just a few minutes, but that is something that is easily done that helps you reach out to another person to make them feel good about themselves, something they did, some talent they have. Um, so it doesn't have to be earth shattering. It can be very simple, I think, too. So Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. All right. So my second thing um, has to do with sleep. And so I'm going to go to page 81 where it says, getting a good night's sleep is like hitting a reset button. And I just want to mention that where I was in 2010 in my life, um, I had a four-year-old and two two-year-olds. So I had two-year-old twins. This section on sleep, it had a huge impact on me, and I have made a commitment to sleep since that time, and I do think that it's been paying off. And I love the way they talk about sleep as a reset button because there are things that happen in the day and sometimes you know the day doesn't go exactly what you, how you want it to go or maybe sometimes you don't get everything done that you want to get done. But if you just go to sleep and you hit the reset button and then tomorrow you get a chance to try it all again. And, and I like that refresh. And at, you know the book talks about how there's a sweet spot. You want to try to get seven or eight hours of sleep a night, and uh, and make that you know one of your goals. And that's a priority that I've set, and uh, and it does. It, it it seems to work. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. The sentence right after the one you read says that sleep clears out the stressors from the day before, and. Doesn't that sound nice? That does sound nice. <laughs> I think that I'm, I'm digging the idea of sleep as a reset button. I don't think that's always how I think about it, and I think I should think about it that way more. Okay, so that's my second thing, Bethany. What is your third thing? So my third thing is from the physical well-being section, and it is go for a darn walk. All right. <laughs> um, so... I, this physical well-being section, you know, some of the things in there seemed like common sense or like things I've heard before, Um, but I read this piece about exercise, and I believe in exercise, I do exercise, Um, but they made this comment that just 20 minutes of exercise can improve your mood for up to 12 hours afterwards. Yeah. And... I sometimes, you know, especially when school starts again, I love to take a walk when I have plenty of time to take a walk. Um, But I start to lose some of the windows of time that I have. Or even in the summer, uh, because of the nature of my household, a lot of times the window of time that I can leave my kids with my husband is when he's on his lunch break, which is usually the hottest part of the day. And sometimes I intend to take a walk and then 
bail. <laughs> I, it's too hot. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it. We were just outside playing and I, I don't want to go back outside. Um, but reading this, this just simple idea that it could improve my mood for hours afterwards, I, should, I just need to do it. I just need to take the walk. I need to force myself to have a little bit of activity because it is worth it if I'm going to feel better. Um, one other thing from that section, which I think you caught on to too, is um, they talk about these health choices, uh, getting a good night's sleep, getting a little bit of physical exercise, choosing a healthier meal instead of a bad meal in terms of short-term incentives. And I think that's that was really key for me because a lot of times I think about exercise and healthy eating as these are things that are good for my long-term health. They will keep my heart healthy over the years. Um, but thinking about them in terms of my daily mood and stress, I think that could be a game changer. I okay. think that's going to help me make better momentary decisions. Okay. So I will piggyback onto yours and then get into my third. Um, one thing the book says, and I meant to mention this earlier in our conversation, when you were talking about having more fun at work, it talked about how even the, I forget what they called it, but even the, uh, the chit chat with mm. some of your colleagues, that that can actually lead to higher productivity. And it talked yes. about how there was research done where they followed workers around and looked at what they were doing. Oh, they called it idle chit chat. Mm -hmm. And that, and so I was thinking about, you know, I've been very lucky to work next to um, another physics teacher and we have a you know really great relationship and, and in between classes while we're saying hello to students in the hallway, we'll do some of that idle chit chat. And, and it's funny how these things really do contribute to the well-being of, of your life. And one of the conversations that we had down the road was, or, or in the past, uh, he was telling me about how he was on a 100-day challenge where he was going to do a workout every day for 100 days. And at that time, my mindset had kind of been, eh, I try to get three to four exercises in a week. And I thought, well, wait a minute, uh, every day, I, you know, those three to four exercises I do a week do make me feel pretty good. I could potentially feel good every day if I tried that. And so at different points, I have, I've tried to make it my default that I would get at least the 20, minute, 20 minutes a day. My wife and I do lots of walks, um, other kind of exercises. But then I, you know, sometimes you just can't. But I've found out that there's research that even an eight minute workout <laughs> <laughs> can have benefits. And so like the New York Times has this particular and apparently it's like research studied eight minute workout. And so if nothing else, I'll even try to fall back on that eight minute workout. But that gets me to my third thing. Okay. And my third thing is the idea of positive def defaults, they call it. And what they say is making the right choices in advance can help us get ahead of our short term desires. And so if this is kind of the idea like you were just alluding to that if we don't have any of the junk food in our house because we didn't buy it and we went to the grocery store, then we're not going to snack on it. And so you kind of make these decisions ahead of time. You front load it so that you just are automatically putting yourself into more, into more positive well-being situations. Um, and I kind of think about it by prior, uh, like priorities. You, you kind of have to just sit down and make your priorities and say, okay, 
exercising is one of my priorities. If I don't get to it one day, it's not going to ruin my life, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, and I want that to be um, one of my priorities. Um, the, the food things I eat. We, we made one change this year. Uh, we love Costco. And Costco has this beautiful, enormous veggie tray. And so pick up one of those veggie trays. Now when we come home, we want to snack. The kids pull out the veggie tray. They're snacking on veggies instead of snacking on something else that wouldn't be as healthy for them. So just those kind of things. Like it's I, you know, I think about it as I continuously try to like t tweak my life to set more positive defaults so that I just feel better overall. But that's a great attitude, right? It, and I think if we all thought about ourselves as not done yet, maybe this idea of small steps and progress throughout would be more top of mind, you know? That's, that's funny awesome. that you say that. Yeah, I'm definitely a work in progress. Aren't <laughs> we all? <laughs> all right, so Bethany, um, any last things you'd like to say about the book Wellbeing? I am really glad that you asked me if I would do this oh, good. and that I got to read it. I thought it was had some great points that, you know, there were some things here that were new ideas to me. Um, and then there were some things that I think I have been aware of at some point or know. But, you know, you we lose focus of things sometimes. Other priorities pop up. So there were some things that were good to refocus on, too. Um, I did. I marked... Uh, one last quote on page 125 okay. that said, momentary experiences accumulate and shape our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of what we've talked about today is about these momentary experiences and being more deliberate about them, making the chit chat that, you know, accumulates over a day and turns into a conversation that spans a week and turns into lifelong friendships for a lot of us, you know? Um, I just I think that's really powerful and I think that's one of the biggest things that I got out of this book um, so thank you for asking me to read it <laughs> all right Bethany well thank you for being back on the show and I think we can plug that the Media Center has a copy of this correct if people would like to read it you know it we have a copy if anyone would like to borrow it across the district it's available so all right thanks Bethany have a good day thank you bye Okay, that wraps up another episode of Thriving Educators. I want to thank Bethany Brattany for sharing her insights on the book Wellbeing. I hope you found something meaningful in our three things, and I wish you a greater sense of well-being. Take care, everyone.